0: God designed us for life, an abundant life with him and with one another. But there's a problem. Someone has taken our life. Jesus said the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. We're missing out on life like God intended because we go looking for life in all the wrong places. But there is a solution to this problem. Jesus said he came so that we may have life and have it in abundance. That's why Cross United Church exists, to help people find life like God intended. We believe life like God intended happens when three things are united in our lives. When we're brought to God in wholehearted worship through the cross of Jesus Christ, when we're brought together in authentic community, when we're deployed on the joyful mission that God has for us in the world, we experience fullness of life. Life like God intended, united in wholehearted worship, authentic community, and joyful mission is why Cross United Church exists. Good morning, Cross United. I'm so glad you've tuned in to this message this morning. Whether you're using a paper copy of the Bible or you're using an app of some kind, I want to encourage you to turn or tap over to John 8, 39 through 41. One of the things uh, we've been doing this season, and I hope you're navigating this season well, whether you're working from home or you're an essential worker, I I have been praying for you all by name and uh, know that many of you are in all sorts of different stages and uh, doing many different things to sort of navigate what's happening. One of the things we've been trying to do with the time stuck at home is to get some projects done around the house that we've been putting off for a long time. Recently, one of those projects was putting together a storage shed on the side of the house. Something we've been wanting to do for a long time. And finally, uh, this season has given us the opportunity to do that. And so recently we had this unassembled shed delivered to the front of our driveway uh, in this big box. And I got this box and I start to, started to open it and to, to take the pieces out and to, to make sure I knew everything was there and to look at the instructions. And, and as I was doing that, I had a flood of memories just wash over me because the only other time in my life when I have assembled a a storage shed is when I was a kid with my grandpa and we assembled a storage shed on the side of his house. That's the same side of the house that our storage shed is now on. And so I was thinking as I'm unpacking this box, and as I'm assembling this shed, and got my kids there with me, I'm thinking about all of the memories I had with my grandpa. Not just uh, assembling that storage shed, but putting together uh, deck stairs, in the backyard or or putting together and, and renovating and refurbishing old bicycles in his garage or any number of projects that he and I used to do together, right? It was just coming back to me. All of this was bubbling back up as I'm assembling this storage shed because one of the things my grandfather left to me was a legacy of hard work and doing things and getting things done. And and that was one of the legacies that my grandpa has left to me was this pattern of hard work this legacy that 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 i've inherited from him a legacy is something we're gonna be talking about today can be defined as a thing that's handed down by a predecessor Um, it can be a financial handing down or a physical sort of material handing down or it can be a pattern of beliefs or behavior that someone hands down from one generation to another and to another all of us are heirs of a legacy. Our society is the heir of a legacy of traditions and cultures from all over the world and from, from uh, American culture and all the, the sort of salad bowl of, of stew pot of, of cultural diversity that's all around us, especially here in South Florida. Your family and my family, we are heirs of the legacies of our parents and our grandparents. Um, We will pass, then, this legacy on to the next generation, to our kids, these beliefs, these behaviors, these memories. There are two aspects of legacy and two errors of legacy that I want to just talk about briefly before we get into the text of Scripture. The two aspects of legacy are the good aspect and the bad aspect. Our legacy, you see, is a complex system of relationships with lights and shadows and pros and cons, positives and negatives, things we want to keep and things we want to keep away from. Um, We have things handed down to us that are godly and we have things handed down to us that are godless. We have beautiful things that have been given to us, and we have ugly things that have been given to us. And in the same way, we, because of our sinfulness and our fallenness, no matter uh, whether or not we're in Christ, we're going to hand down to our kids things that are beautiful and things that are broken, things that are godly and things that are godless. And so there's these two aspects of legacy, the the, the, the good and the bad. The two errors of legacy are, on the one hand, severing ourselves ourselves. From legacy, and on the other hand, overly identifying ourselves with our legacy. On the one hand, in our culture, often we think too little of legacy. We we think that we're just the the um, product of our own desires and our own dreams. We don't often appreciate sufficiently the patterns of wisdom and tradition and, that have been given to us by those who went before us and and those who were were. Uh, the, the, the formers of our culture and of our society. We don't alf, often realize that we're not lone rangers riding into the adventure of life alone. And and we can ignore uh, unhealthy or, or sinful patterns in our past and just act like those things don't affect us. Um, we can ignore those things and, and then never really heal from those things. So that's the one error, um, to, to sever ourselves or ignore our legacy or pretend that like, that legacy doesn't exist. The other danger is that we can overly identify ourselves with our legacy. We can assume um, that our family story must be our story. And that could be in a good way or a bad way that that our the wealth of our family or the brokenness of our family um, is what will define us in the future. We can assume that our past is our fated future. We can think of ourselves as either the best parts of our story in our community or the worst parts of our story in our community. And in light of these things, and in the case of Jesus' hearers there in John 8, 39 through 41, and, and really through John 8 overall, we see some some people Jesus is talking to, these Jewish hearers who've made this initial uh, profession of faith in Christ, we see that they have committed the, the second error. They've overly identified themselves with the legacy of Abraham. Um, and, and what we're going to see, though, is what Jesus does is he, he confronts them with the third challenge of authentic faith, and that is the challenge of legacy the challenge of legacy. In John 8, there's this dialogue between Jesus and these people who have professed faith in him. And what he's going to do through this series of seven challenges is prove that their faith isn't actually genuine. And this is the third challenge, the challenge of legacy. If you got your Bibles there, please turn or tap, like I said, to John eight thirty nine, where we see Jesus uh, has confronted these people in John eight thirty eight with the the challenge that they are doing what they've heard from their father. Now, he doesn't explain yet who that father is, but it's clear from what he said that it's not a positive thing. And so they respond and they protest in John 8, our father is Abraham, they replied. Um, and what they're doing there is they're defining themselves by this biological, physical even religious relation that they have to Abraham and saying that that is what defines them. And so as we see Jesus confront these hearers with this challenge, the challenge that's going to confront us is this. Will you be defined by your past or will you be defined by present trust in Christ? Like I've said, our legacy, it's always a mixed bag. There's good and there's bad back there. Um, there's stuff we're tempted to define ourselves by because it's good. And there's stuff we're tempted to pretend like it didn't exist because it's bad. And what I think Jesus wants to do in this text is Jesus wants us to move beyond that false dichotomy and to recognize both the importance of our past, both for good and for bad, and also to understand that past in light of his present power to save us wants us to understand our past in light of his present power to save us. And he's going to redefine our past and redefine legacy here in the text in three movements. These three movements in John 8, 39 through 41 um, are going to show Jesus redefining our past and rewriting our legacy. And the first movement of redefining the past and rewriting our legacy is the movement of imitation the movement of imitation. Look there at John 8, 39 through 40. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus told them, you would do what Abraham did. But now you're trying to kill me. Jesus's point here is that kids imitate their dads. Um, my kids do this all the time. They try to walk like me, talk like me. They want to help me with projects. They follow me and they ask me questions. This is just part of being a kid. You want to be like your dad. Jesus says that legitimate children of Abraham will imitate Abraham's pattern of life. What was the overwhelming marker of Abraham's life? Well, we see in Genesis fifteen six, Abraham believed God. The overwhelming marker of Abraham's life was faith. Paul the Apostle expounds this in Romans 4. Um, He he says when Abraham believed the Lord in Genesis 15, that is significant because Abraham wasn't circumcised until Genesis 17. That that the promise of Abraham's inheritance was based on, on and appropriated by faith. Paul says in Romans 4.18, Abraham believed, hoping against hope, in the promises of God. He didn't weaken in faith, 4.19. He did not waver in unbelief, 4.20. Because he was fully convinced that what God has promised, he was able to do, 4.21. The book of Hebrews talks about Abraham's faith, it, Hebrews 11, 8-10. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out a place where he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co heirs of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Earlier in that same chapter of Hebrews, there's a very famous verse that without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. These folks, though, that Jesus is talking to, they were relying on their legacy, their biological, ethnic, even religious legacy, thinking they'd inherited all of the goodness of the covenant from Abraham. Now, God's promises to Abraham were sure, airtight, take it to the bank. And the inheritance of Abraham was unimaginably good. What Jesus is pointing out is that only legitimate children of Abraham inherit the promise. And these folks are proving they're not truly Abraham's children. Because it's about imitating Abraham's faith, not merely being a member of Abraham's biological family. One of the key verses here we've gone to a number of times is Galatians 3, 7. Those who have faith, these are Abraham's sons. A son is an heir, so whether male or female, if you are in Christ, you are a child of of the promise a full heir of abraham's estate all of the promises god has made to abraham and all the promises that god had made to israel in the old testament are yours christian church through faith romans 2 28 and 29 a person is not a jew who is one outwardly and true circumcision is not something visible in the flesh on the contrary a person who is a jew inwardly And circumcision is of the heart by the spirit, not the letter. If you want to preserve the goodness of legacy and pass it on, be a person of faith. Imitate the faith of your Christian family. Maybe you're the first Christian in your family. In that case, praise God for his grace and pass on to your kids the faith that in his grace he has given to you. Realize that God didn't make any mistakes in giving you the legacy that he gave you and he has a purpose in it believe his purpose and his promise the second movement of jesus redefining the past and rewriting our legacy is the movement of incarnation look at john eight forty. but now you're trying to kill me jesus says to them a man who has told you the truth that i heard from god this is the opposite of abraham's pattern of life and faith When the pre-incarnate Christ appeared to Abraham as the angel of the Lord, Abraham trusted him and believed his word. When God spoke, Abraham believed and oriented his life around God's word. But these listeners, they're doing the opposite. They're trying to kill Christ. There's an interesting phrase in this verse. He says, you're trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Here we enter deep theological waters in the mystery of the incarnation that God, the son took into his person, human nature, so that he was conceived in the womb of Mary, the virgin as a fully human being, who was also fully God, one person in two natures. The theologian John Webster says, God is life in himself and of himself. You can't kill life. God can't die. The only way for God to enter into the experience of human death was through God to take human nature into the person of the Son. So what's the opposite of trying to kill Jesus like these listeners were trying to do? The opposite of that is recognize that Jesus is life. That everything we need and everything we are supposed to be is found in Christ. I've been reading this great little book By a guy named Dane Ortland called Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sufferers and Sinners. I really recommend this book for you to pick it up. There's 20 chapters. I've been reading just a chapter a day uh, and just being really refreshed in hearing again uh, Jesus's heart for me and his people. And in this book, um, Ortland quotes uh, a pastor theologian from the 18th century, Jonathan Edwards. Everything, Jonathan Edwards says, that is lovely in God is in Christ. And everything that is or can be lovely in any man is in him. For he is man as well as God. And he is the holiest, meekest, most humble in every way, the most excellent man that ever was. Got a little Bill and Ted going there. The most excellent, the most excellent man whoever was the most excellent person who ever has been. Jesus redefines our past by his person and his work. He rewrites our legacy by who he is and what he's done in his life, his death for us on the cross, his burial and his resurrection. Our legacy and our past can be reshaped, redefined, redeemed, rewritten by the Christ Christ, whose scripture says is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. He speaks the truth of life to us. And he can speak it in such a way that knows exactly what it's like. Jesus Christ knows exactly what it's like to live with a checkered past and a questionable family history. He knows exactly what it's like to be abused. He knows exactly what it's like to be betrayed. He knows exactly what it's like to be rejected. He knows exactly what it's like to have people leave you. He knows exactly what it's like to have people let you down. He knows what it's like to be human and live inside of a human legacy. His eternal legacy is divine, the triune life of God, the second person of the Trinity. And his human legacy is human. He was the son of Mary, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So the question I think is being presented to us in this movement of the text is, will you let Jesus move into your legacy right now and let his present reshape your past? Will you trust him with what has happened and what is happening And what will happen? Finally, we see the third movement of Jesus redefining the past. The movement of illegitimation. Illegitimation. John 8, 40 and into 41. Abraham didn't do this. Try to kill me. You're doing what your father does. Again, he pressed onto them the question of their legitimacy as children of Abraham. Are they really Abraham's heirs? Growing up, we used to sing a Sunday school song. Maybe you sang it too. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And I am one of them. And so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Are you a true heir of the promises of Abraham? This is a question of who your father is. So I hope you'll join us next week to look at the next challenge. The fourth challenge of authentic faith the challenge of paternity. God designed us for life, an abundant life with him and with one another. But there's a problem. Someone has taken our life. Jesus said the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. We're missing out on life like God intended because we go looking for life in all the wrong places. But there is a solution to this problem. Jesus said he came so that we may have life and have it in abundance. That's why Cross United Church exists, to help people find life like God intended. We believe life like God intended happens when three things are united in our lives. When we're brought to God in wholehearted worship through the cross of Jesus Christ, when we're brought together in authentic community, when we're deployed on the joyful mission that God has for us in the world, we experience fullness of life. Life like God intended United in wholehearted worship, authentic community, and joyful mission is why Cross United Church exists.